Uh, today's Religious Liberty Sabbath, of course. And uh, this is uh, a time once a year that we get together and we think about the, those issues that uh, concern us, those issues that, uh, that concern us about being caught up in that web that Kathy was talking about. Very good analogy, excellent children's story. My problem is, and I think we see it today in the world as things are changing, you look around, I, I am concerned that perhaps once a year talking about religious liberty isn't enough. I'm kind of concerned that once a month might not be a month, uh, enough, and maybe every day we should be thinking about some of these issues because there are people that are, people around the world that are, people in this country that are thinking about religious liberty. You see a renewal uh, across the country on the whole concept of, of religious liberty, on what religious liberty is. You hear people... Now, in all denominations, there is this uh, tremendous, tremendous upheaval about religious liberty from other denominations, from other people claiming that the government is denying them their right to worship the way they want, denying them their right to have a government that they want that is a Judeo-Christian government founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and they fear that that's being changed, that that, we're no longer going to be this Christian nation. Amen. Amen. And uh, I think once a year is not enough for that. I, 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 I also think that as we see that tremendous movement that you know, perhaps maybe that's the answer to our problem is, is that why don't we just jump on board and join that clamoring, join that, that high interest level on what religious liberty is all about. <clears throat> the problem with that is It'd be easy to do, right? Already set up for us a template about how we're supposed to be with religious liberty and what the doctrines are and what the concepts are. But the, there's a big problem with that. It, it's that religious liberty doesn't mean the same thing to every, everyone. It means something different to anyone you talk to about religious liberty. Um, it means anything from having your uh, tax dollars go to funding uh, abortions or, or birth control. You know, everywhere from not having to bake a cake for a gay wedding. I mean, that's called religious liberty. That right that someone would claim is called religious liberty. <clears throat> this issue has been, I think, co-opted. The issue of religious liberty has, has sort of been taken over by certain political religious groups, agendas, driving a message. And they're using religious liberty because it is really, a, you know, it, well, it's, it sounds lofty, doesn't it? We're going to claim our religious liberty and, and we're going to claim it uh, that they're taking away our religious liberty because of some recent Supreme Court decision. It's not even relevant to that. Does it mean the same thing? You see, religious liberty is different than that. Uh, I, I think a good example of how these definitions can be uh, confusing. To try to define religious liberty is confusing, and I think that's where our problem is, is you, anything that's very difficult to understand, you're going to have someone in there taking over that definition to their own goals. A little bit of truth, right? A little, little truth, a little deception, because they can get you with that. That's a hook. They bring you in. Uh, not casting any aspersions, but if you recall, in September of last year, we had a, a, a visit from a dignitary, a worldwide dignitary, uh, not a rock and roll band, uh, the Pope was on a tour across the East Coast. He's, you know, moving from Washington, D.C., our capital, speaking before our Congress. Now, there are issues there that we don't have time today to talk about, but um, big issues there, to Philadelphia, the birthplace of democracy, and into New York City, the United Nations. 
this religious leader is moving through, talking about, well, you you heard, of course, if you're watching, listening, you'd hear him talking about the environment and how important the environment is, which is, that's not a a small issue, but he's also weaving into his, his discussions the importance of religious liberty. Weaving into it, he's coming across in in this as as being a champion, a true champion of religious liberty. Hallelujah! Sounded great. However, you and I all we know that it's not the same religious liberty that we understand it to be. His idea of religious liberty, that entity, not the particular individual, right, but that entity, that systems understanding of religious liberty is really different than what we believe. We're we're seeing that as as it uh, comes to fruition. But there's a tremendous religious liberty movement. Uh, and you hear it coming up in different contexts, and sometimes we're, we're, we're deceived by that concept. It's easy to be deceived by it. You think it makes sense to you. You sort of go along with it. A good example is, is with uh, various cases around, but one that I think dominates my thinking right now as I'm, I'm talking about it is that, uh, that county clerk in... in uh, Rowan, Kentucky, Rowan County, Kentucky, County Clerk Kim Davis. Um, well, you know, there was that uh, Ogilvie versus Hodges Supreme Court case that came down earlier last year that says that uh, <coughs> marriage is not uh, like a religious concept. Anyone can get married to anyone that they want to, whatever the gender. I mean, I don't know how far you'd take that. But whatever the gender is, you can marry anything or anyone you want to, Right? Because that's your right. It's a it's a it's a, a a constitutional right, constitution written by men. And, you know that that just not some, not a religious group of people wrote that constitution, but you know civil secular saying that well you know these are your rights. Your right is you can marry anyone you want because marriage is not a religious institution. Well, Kim Davis disagrees with that, as I do. I mean, everybody here I would assume disagrees with that. The idea that you would allow same-sex marriage, okay, and call that a right is, is an abomination to me. I, I don't go along with that at all. Kim Davis doesn't go along. It's against her religion. It's against her beliefs. And having to issue those marriage licenses, you see, ran counter to what she believed to be the truth, God's truth. And she took a stand, and, and she took a stand that I probably would have taken under similar circumstances. She refused to issue those marriage licenses. She went to jail. I, I think Huckabee went down and got her out of jail, but she was able to get out of jail on a condition that, uh, well, at least she allows her clerks to issue marriage licenses. You know what she did? This is the thing. This is how it gets confusing, all right? I would take the same stand that she took. I would go to jail to, to not violate my principles, all right? That's easy. There's nothing... Nothing to that. That's pretty much the way it's going to happen. We all know this. This is going to be happening shortly for us, okay? We're, we're going to be making stands about certain things that we're going to have to stand firm on or go to jail. And it's, it's sort of a, a mixed feeling that I have about that because if I'm going to take a stand for something I truly believe in and I know by taking that stand that Jesus is going to come soon, okay? I'll take the stand. I'll go to jail. I'll go to Andersonville, Okay? It's going to, you know, because when that starts happening, Jesus is coming. And that's, I th- that's the good news of all this. It's not, religious liberty isn't a scary thing. I mean, you know, we kind of consider it. Well, let's look out. Let's be careful. Let's keep our eyes wide open. But uh, religious liberty is not scary. It's not a scary issue. It's telling us 
the good news about what's going to happen when all these events come about. This prophecy is fulfilled and Jesus is going to come. And the, and, and the more intense this is, the sooner Jesus is going to come. That, to me, that's good news. Bring it on. All right? I can't, can't wait. Right? Can't, can't put up with this any longer. Let's get this over with. And that, that's Kim. She says the very same thing. I'll go to jail for what I believe. And again, I would do the same. I would do what she did. But I, I think that the confusion comes into this. Is that if you ask, and, and I took the same side of this, if you asked anyone who was supporting Kim Davis in this whether or not this was religious liberty, yes, it is true religious liberty. But the fact of the matter is, it is not true religious liberty. Because if you look at the way she's projecting her beliefs, it becomes frightening. Okay? Kim Davis is telling her deputies, the people that work for her, not to issue marriage licenses. Kim, Kim Davis's reaction to all this is to say, well, forget it. If you're going to force me to do this, I'm not going to issue any marriage licenses, and nobody that works for me, no matter what they believe, will be able to do it either. All right? So you may have a clerk there in that, that clerk's office, a deputy clerk in that clerk's office who thinks gay marriage is fine, has a firm belief that it's okay, it's, it's what they believe. And here Kim Davis is forcing her belief system on this deputy. Kim Davis is a government employee. She is acting under the scepter of a government, the authority of government. And she's saying, because of my position here, you either do what I tell you to do or you're fired. That's not religious liberty. Same thing. People who want the... I don't, you, know, you may not agree with these rights that people have, but they have the right. Caesar has given them this right to get married, okay? And so Caesar says, sell them the marriage license. That, that, that's what you will do, because render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. You render the marriage license unto Adam and Steve. You do that. Or, or what? Take a stand and not do it and go to jail. That's fine. Go to jail. Don't force anyone else to believe as you do. You can go to jail. You can spend your time in jail witnessing to others while you're in jail waiting all right? Or you could quit. I mean, whoever thought, right? She doesn't have to work there. She can go somewhere else and work. She can go to work for the church or whatever she wants to do. She does not have to be there, you know, exercising her authority over others according to her belief system. Even if we believe in that, that system, we can't allow that to happen. That's not true religious liberty. And that's the confusion that we see entering into the discussion now. That's what's entering into it in a way that is... Uh, in a way that I think in the beginning when I, when I mentioned to you that I, I think we should have religious liberty more often, I think it's that particular, um, that, 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 that particular influence that we're seeing now with respect to religious liberty, that, that confusion of issues, that confusion of ideas that we're seeing is, is causing a lot of concern. Right? It, it's quite frightening, and, and it's, it sounds okay. It's one of those things that you see, this little bit of truth and a whole lot of deception under it, and you sort of fall for it. It sounds good. And that's what's going to be happening as we move forward, you know, closer to the time that Jesus comes, is that's where we're going to see more and more of that, and it's going to be very difficult to discern this distinction. I fell for the Kim Davis, you know, that, that, that issue. I fell for that. I was with her 100%. She was a hero. She was a religious liberty hero, standing on what she believed, and then I kind of drew back and thought about it. And it's not true religious liberty. Um, I think whenever we talk about... Uh, Religious liberty, we need to go back to the uh, three angels' messages. And I want to go over that, remind everybody of what that is. It's Revelation 14, 
Revelation 14. I, yeah, 14, 6, and 7. <coughs> King James. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred tongue and people. All right? We are, as the remnant church, that our obligation is to proclaim right, that today is the day you make a decision. That the time to you know, do what you want to do and think what you want to think and live the way you want to live is coming to an end soon. And you need to make a choice. One choice or the other. Two choices, okay? You have, you have the freedom to make this choice. This choice is to choose salvation, to reach out, accept the gospel message, accept Jesus, or Satan. There's only two. It's easy. Okay? And the time to do that is coming close. And we are, as a people, to proclaim that to the entire world. You are to pro- proclaim that message to the entire world. Um, and it goes on at verse 7, saying in a loud voice, it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. I got ahead of that. That's what I was talking about. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and... The fountains. All right. Wood, waters. Let's go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I forgot that was there. It wasn't behind the leaf. Anyway, the, uh, the point here is what I was saying before, is that this, this is, as, the, as God's church, this is, this is what we are to do. We are to proclaim this message to the entire world that the hour of his judgment has come. It's time to make a choice, and the choice is either Jesus or not Jesus, right? Simple, so easy. What, who would have a problem making that choice? And how do we know who to choose? How do we know? It's giving us a clue here. Which do we choose? Satan or the one that created all this stuff, right? We, we choose the creator, don't we? That's how we know who to do. But there's more to this than that because in this particular passage is telling us that as God's people... We are given the obligation to be the custodians of that which he created in respect for him. Out of respect for God and to show our allegiance to God, we, we will protect his creation. We're environmentalists, right? We're, we're environmentalists. We're to protect this environment. I, who thought... But we're not the same environmentalists that you might think. If we don't drive around in the Volkswagen bus with the yellow sunflowers on it, the Birkenstocks, remember the, you know, that. We're not doing that. It's a different type of environment. We are given the, the resources of this earth to, as custodians and to protect in, in, in respect of God. Are we doing that? Are we truly doing that? Not always. It, it's a hard concept because, it's, again, it's one of those issues that's been co-opted by some political agenda. And it's hard to see what it really is, what our job really is, okay? I mean, there's a lot of distortion out there. There's a lot of things about global warming and whether it's man-made and whether it isn't. I don't care. My job is to protect God's creation. So whatever that takes or whatever that means, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to get involved in that very confusing hyperbole that's going to get me off target. And that's what's happening, right? So custodians... Who else, who else is talking about this? Remember the trip that, the, that Francis, Pope Francis made to the East Coast talking about 
the environment. And before he left, he wrote a letter, encyclical. Pope Francis writes this encyclical about the environment just before he comes and he's, he's traveling around. There's some meaning in here. I don't want to get too subversive about this. There's no real true conspiracy other than the actual conspiracy that God's telling us to watch out for. It's there. There is a conspiracy, but we know what it is. No one's keeping it from us. No one's hiding it from us. So the last thing they're doing, hiding it from us, they're letting us know what they're going to do. They're telling us what they're going to do. And, and here in, in the encyclical, I was going to have it up there, but uh, too much. So I'm going to read a little bit from this. And, and it's, uh, you, know, you can get these online. They're wonderful reading. <laughs> always coming out with some encyclical on one thing or another. And well written and actually kind of interesting when you, if you don't think about it, right? But it, it, it begins. It is my hope that this encyclical letter, which is now at the body of the church's social teachings, can help us, help us to acknowledge the appeal, the immensity, and urgency of the challenge we face. Challenge. I'll begin by briefly reviewing several aspects of the present ecological crisis. The Pope knows all about this, right? This ecological crisis. He's going to tell us all about it now, okay? He's going to teach us this. He says, with the aim of drawing on the results of the best scientific research available today, sounds like my biology teacher, you know, years ago. Didn't learn much there. Letting them touch us deeply and provide, letting the, you know, scientific research touch us deeply uh, and provide a concrete foundation for the ethical and spiritual itinerary that follows. That's subtle. He's, gonna, he's got an agenda, right? And he's telling you he's got an agenda. Here is my agenda. Here is my spiritual itinerary that I'm going to lay out for you that somehow or other we're going to follow this. He says, I will consider some principles drawn from the Judeo-Christian tradition which can render our commitment to the environment more coherent. It's subtle, okay? He says, I I will attempt to get to the root of the problem so as to uh, consider not, not only its symptoms, but also its deepest causes. And then he says this. In light of this reflection, I will advance some broader proposals for dialogue and action, which would involve each of us and also affect international policy. Now, this is a man who, in, in a rare episode in all of human history, has been invited to speak before the United States Congress, a religious man, speaking before the United States Congress, in his full garb and everything on, speaking before the United States Congress and telling them what this international policy is going to be. International policy to save the environment, okay? And what do you think that might be? The biblical tradition clearly shows that renewal entails recovering and respecting the rhythms inscribed in nature by the hand of the Creator. We see this, for example, in the law of the Sabbath, on the seventh day, right here. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. He commanded Israel to set aside each seventh day as a day of rest, a, a Sabbath. He goes on to say, spirituality which forgets God as all-powerful and a creator is not acceptable. What, what did... Uh, what did Paul say about this? What about Romans? Let's go, let's go to Romans 8.21. He might be on something here. The Pope, right? I mean, he's, talking, he's speaking my language. Speaking about, because of the, because the creature, it's, that's it. 
<laughs> we'll see what we got here. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. 21. 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and traveleth in pain together until now. The whole creation is groaning under this travail. Groaning together until now. And 23... And not only that, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. What are we talking about here? We're talking about this entire planet, the creation of God is suffering, it's, it's under some travail, it's, it, it's uh, <clears throat> what, was it? what was Paul's word? It, it's uh, being trampled underfoot. Francis is talking about the same thing. The earth is being trampled underfoot. It's suffering. It's groaning under this pressure. He's onto something here. And what is his recommend, recommendation? The Sabbath day. Follow the Christian Judeo Sabbath day. Take a day off. What is, take a day off and, and let the earth rest. That's the whole point of it, right? That was the whole commandment. Take the day off and respect God, worship God on that day and let the planet rest and rejuvenate. The first day of the week. That's what it's all about. Pope is on to something. Are we making headway? Are we winning this? Well, no. <laughs> Nobody said yes to that. Uh, I, I want to go back a few years on uh, a prior religious liberty Sabbath, probably 10 years ago. We were talking about uh, another Pope's encyclical. It was Pope uh, John Paul. John Paul II had an encyclical about the Sabbath itself. And we read in there how he, throughout that document, it was very lengthy, and throughout that document, the Pope was talking about the Sabbath again, much like this. The, every verse in the Bible that refers to Sabbath is referring to the, the Jewish Sabbath, the seventh day. All the way through this encyclical, John Paul seems to, again, wow, he's speaking our language. All of a sudden, embedded in that letter is a discussion about history and about how early church, the early church founders, the early members of the church, the, the leaders uh, just after uh, you know, Jesus and, and throughout that, that time actually didn't have any true scriptural authority, didn't have really the authority to make a change in the day, but they did it anyway. Okay? They felt that it was necessary. So at that juncture, at that point in time, there's a change from Sabbath, seventh day to Sunday, and it's fine. And then everything else is said in that encyclical relating back to the seventh day Sabbath is now Sunday. That's what we call bait and switch, okay? And it's easy to fall for because it really sounds good. Well, it's happening now, isn't it? It's happening in the most recent encyclical from Pope Francis because he goes on and he says, Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath. There's a big difference now, right? Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world. Sunday. So I was going, I was, you know, what's happening here? I mean, it really sounded good. This sounds, the Pope is delivering the first angel's message. Right? And take a look a little deeper, and it's Sunday he's talking about. And now that's alarming. He's got a lot of power, and he's speaking to heads of state. He's, he's got authority. He, people listen to him, right? He, he's got 
tremendous authority. He's compelling. He's persuasive. He's speaking before our Congress. He's speaking before the United Nations. And I don't know how many heads are going up and down when he's talking. It sounds good. It really sounds good. To someone who really isn't trained in what to look for, it could be trapped. Even our own brothers and sisters would see that as, hell, that sounds good. And the other argument that you're going to be attacked with here is when you get down to the point where it starts to switch on you and all of a sudden it's not, it's Sunday now, it's going to say, well, it's okay because it's all in the common good. It's okay to make this little switch because everybody's doing it and and you, you don't want to be arbitrary, you don't want to be a bigot, you don't want to be politically incorrect. Say, just go along with it. It's going to be all right. It doesn't make a big difference anyway. Okay. <clears throat> but that's, that's the, the persuasiveness of it. That, that's the direction it goes in. The, uh, the point is, that is a religious liberty issue. That is a true religious liberty issue. Okay? That, you're now on, on it. Okay? That is where your liberty is now uh, being attacked. You're about to, to lose your freedoms. And while we don't see that happening now, we don't see that incurring now coming about, it's going to. Because the rumblings are there. We hear it. We hear the echo. It, it, what else is going to happen? How soon? We don't know. Not supposed to know. But, I mean, it, just think about it for a second. How you know, closer does it have to become? That's true religious liberty. This is not the first time that we've been on this, uh, in this rodeo with religious liberty and this issue. 1888, following the, uh, the Civil War that we were talking about. <clears throat> Andersonville, this, this country was in chaos. It was struggling. There was an economic crisis. We had had a, uh, uh, well, it, you could see what was happening to brothers versus brothers, and they were putting their own, you know, relatives in these prisons and guarding them and killing them. Uh, th- that was what the nation was about at that point in time. Uh, we were seeing the, the beginnings of true, the hideousness of true racism was beginning about this time. Jim Crow was in the South. It was, this is what was happening. It was horrible, and, and uh, the immigration problem, okay, it was, people were coming here, there was no place to put them, towns were swelling, there wasn't any work, it was adding more to the, the burden on, on our country in those days, uh, the economic crisis was extreme, does that sound familiar at all? One man, a, uh, a senator named uh, Henry William Blair, in 1888, decided he was going to solve the problem, William Henry William Blair wanted to make America great again. And he comes up with a proposal. He comes up with a piece of legislation that is called the, the Blair Law with its... Well, I'm not going to go into all that too much here, but we, the, the essence of the Blair Bill was to create a, a law that would... You know, a law that would penalize anyone who wouldn't close their, show, their stores on Sunday. He declared in the, in the legislation itself that Sunday was the Sabbath, the day of the Lord, the day to keep. 1888, the Blair Bill. Keep, the, keep Sunday as the Sabbath or you go to jail. Right? Now, <clears throat> it didn't pass. It didn't pass because of, well, one of our pioneers in our church, A.T. Jones, um, a brilliant man, was spent... The entire, it was the 50th Congress. He spent the entire 50th Congress there on the Hill arguing against this, debating this issue, arguing against it, and had a lot of support. That particular piece of legislation had a lot of support for a lot of different reasons. I guess it made sense to someone somewhere because it had support. What we, we won against that. A.T. Jones was successful in that. Okay? 
Uh, Sister White, in referring to that period of time, said that that particular argument was the penultimate religious liberty issue of our time. Now, what's the ultimate? It's the one we're about to see. And it's going to be very similar. And we can see now the direction we're taking. We're going to have other issues come up that are very similar to that religious uh, Sunday religious issue. Okay, The Sunday law religious issue is not happening now. We don't see it now. We hear the rumblings. We see it. But, but you know how things happen today in this world and with how fast media operates and gets the word out fast? Whatever is going to happen is going to happen rapidly. We know that. And so you hear the murmurings. Uh, it, don't doubt the power of that entity, that system that the Pope represents. Don't doubt that. It makes things happen. How in the world does a religious leader have this religion has its own country with its own ambassador from this country has, has the ability to come to this country and speak and preach to our Congress, let alone before the United Nations. How does this happen? You know, we created the, uh, the, the nations, the, the tribal nations here in this country for the Indians that were here and dispossessed. We gave them their nation. We gave, they have their own nation. They have their own ambassadors. You're not going to find a tribal chief going to Congress and, and preaching to them. How does this happen? There's a reason for all this. We know from prophecy there's a reason for all this. No surprise here. So what do we do? We, well, we know, for, first of all, that our, our image of religious freedom is that it's, it's a relationship that we have with God that's one that no one can take away from us. And we saw that at Andersonville where those, uh, those prisoners, right? The soldiers were imprisoned there. They had nowhere to go. They, they couldn't get out of there. They couldn't unless they died, right? That was their only way out. But they did have one thing. They had their religious liberty. They still had that. That religious liberty allowed them to pray and, and do, get that fountain. That's religious liberty. That is true religious liberty. If you heard any other way, described it any other way, it's counterfeit. It's not true. That is true religious liberty. That cannot be taken away from you. We get our liberty from God, from the Bible. We do have liberties under this Constitution. We know that. The First Amendment, we get certain liberties to, just to proclaim the message, but those can be taken away from us in a second, okay? And are being taken away. It doesn't matter, because the true religious liberty that we believe in exists. We know these things are happening. Uh, Sister White calls it present truth. I agree it's happening now. I don't, you know, how you define that and, if you, uh, and, and what you want to do about it, do you, really, you can't force a revival based on our understanding of religion. We can't force anyone to believe, but we know what our, our job is, right? We know, you know the proclamation that we need to make. So how do we do that? One thing I want to warn against, and, I, and uh, just to be careful about, we can get uh, fairly aggressive about this. We can get robust and... Uh, and with the, with the nature of the argument on the other side, we could be uh, slip under the carpet. You know, our message could be marginalized somehow. We've got to be careful about that. But one way I know that it's not going to be marginalized is through um, uh, our efforts at the church level, at the conference level, and the media efforts and getting the, the th- three angel messages out, and through Liberty Magazine. And I want to say, I've, I've quoted that I haven't really given you any citations from Sister White, but I do know that Sister White referred to Liberty Sentinel, which was the precursor to Liberty Magazine, referred to it as the epitome of the three angels' message. And that would apply to this. So uh, this word gets out. It gets out in a way that is never marginalized. I, I've talked to judges and, and lawyers and arbitrators all through my career uh, who, were, for some strange reason, 
I was sending it to him. But for some strange reason, they were getting this, and they were reading it, and they said, have you seen this? And I said, oh, no. I but, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's quite persuasive, and, and it makes sense. It's documented. There's authority for whatever is said in here. There's article, I believe in this particular issue, there's an article by a, uh, uh, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to do that. We can go. <laughs> We've got time. But there's some great articles in here. And, and uh, there was an article in, in a past issue uh, written by a, a leader in the Catholic Church talking about the papal visit. And another article in there about uh, some, some other religious denomination talking about the, the Kim Davis case. And, and there, there's, the editorial doesn't enter into this. They don't editorial. They, they'll pick what, they, what they're going to print in it and make sure that it's, it's true and sound, uh, a sound discussion. But they don't. They don't make any changes. Often you'll see uh, Lincoln Steed is the editor. He'll have a, an editor's note at the end, very brief, succinct, and just kind of pointing out where we would stand on these issues. But you get the full, the full issue. You get to see both sides of the issue, the arguments. So you are prepared. So you know where there's going to be that little bit of truth mixed with all that deception, and you won't fall for it. All right, so uh, talking about liberty, that's what our offering goes for. And I think if, uh, uh, Leah gave a good example, a good... Uh, I think, description of how we do the, the offering. I always get confused by it, so I, if I get confused, I think everybody else does, but probably not. It's probably pretty simple and straightforward. If you want to receive it, you've got to check a particular box. If you want Liberty Magazine, check a box. The offering otherwise goes for um, that list that I produce of all these, uh, they call them thought leaders, but anyone in a, in a position of authority. I would like to have seen Kim Davis get Liberty Magazine. I wonder if she's getting it now. I wouldn't doubt that. But if she had read Liberty Magazine, she might not have taken the stand that she took. She, her stand might have been a little different. And uh, I think that's what we want to do is kind of influence that direction. Bring truth into this. Bring truth into the discussion. So I'm going to pray for the offering if you want to do the operatory. Is that... Heavenly uh, Father, we know from the signs that we see that uh, the time is coming close for your judgment. Uh, we know that the... Uh, uh, time is near that we will be seeing these signs that uh, we don't know exactly when it's going to be, but we do always want to be prepared for your coming. And we look forward to that, and we, and we pray that that will happen soon. We pray that you guide us through your spirit in, in, in the three angels' messages, that we convey that first angel's message and, and mixed with the environment as it should be, and, and also the, the, the second angel's message where we talk about uh, Babylon and, and all the reasons that Babylon failed, especially the reason they kept the wrong day. As a, as a Sabbath symbol, and also the, the third angel's uh, warning that we don't compromise and that we maintain true to a true religious uh, freedom, a true understanding of liberty of conscience and a, and a true uh, understanding of what the day is and how we are supposed to worship on that day. In, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.